I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bring, bring it bring it to the bring Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Jay. I'm editor and founder of the Eagle Speaker Palace fan site by fans for fans. I'm also host and producer of Marina Sports Show, a community radio show every Tuesday night on, on you can get online and you can get us on Twitter at the Meridian SS and Eagles Beat. You can get us at eaglesbeat.com across all social media platforms. Awesome. An absolute pleasure having you on today, Jay. Um, folks at home, today's show is going to be a little different. It is just the two of us. We're going to be talking through some some managerial situations, including the ones at our club. And Jay, it's a bit of a weird one because it feels like uh, Palace fans maybe weren't quite ready to see Vieira go. Spurs fans very ready to see Conte go. But the opposite decisions <laughs> seem to be what's been made at present. Uh, so I guess we'll start off with you. We, we were kind of just talking about this before we hit record. Today's result kind of seems... Mm. Uh, not really too substantial in in the overall landscape, considering you just got rid of your manager, mm. despite having kind of stabilized in the middle of the table, despite not getting results for for weeks. Yeah, it's been a it's been a mad week, I have to say. I mean, we started a week. We had the late kickoff against Man City at home last Saturday night. Uh, we 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 lost one nil to a late penalty, and I have to say, you know, we we play. Well. Well, in that game, I say play well, we didn't have a shot on target. But actually, that's not... I don't buy into all the stats. The stats are thrown about all over the place. And yeah, we love a good stat. But in terms of Manchester City coming to Sellers Park, we pretty much stopped... Well, we stopped the scoring from in open play. You know, it was a silly challenge in the box, which, you know, you could argue was a penalty or not. But um, it's a typical winger, uh, winger's challenge in the box. And um, it was an easy award, I would say, for the referee to give... Um, and we, we lose that 1-0 to a team that are arguably one of the best in Europe at the moment. Uh, we all know what they did to a German side in the week. So, you know, holding City to a 1-0 uh, to, to a one nil win for them um, was was pretty good, to be honest with you. Um, Wednesday night, we headed down to our rivals. Much has been said about the rivalry, but trust me, it's a rivalry. There's a good article on a website which is rehashed every year when we have replay Brighton. And we played well in that game. We had shots on target, which is another stat which is banded around a lot for us recently. We had shots on target. Uh, we played. We started the game well, and then Brighton broke and had the first chance and scored. And that that game ended one 0 And Brighton, as we know, you know, given their due through gritted teeth, they're playing good football at the moment. They're they're high up in the table. They're chasing the European spot for the first time, and fair play to them. But you know, Palace have been hard to beat. Um, and then obviously Friday morning, very. Very early hours, or say early hours, but it was like eight o'clock in the morning that the news broke that Patrick Vieira had been sacked by Palace. Uh, I woke up to my phone off the hook, <laughs> messages and notifications and everything. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not particularly happy with it. 
um, you know, with what 11 games as it was before the game today against Arsenal, 10 games now between now and the end of the season, I'd have been happy for Vieira to go through those 10 games and probably pick up the four wins we need. Bearing in mind how the fixture list has worked out for us, uh, in those last 10 games, we play eight of the nine teams below us in the table. We're currently 12. We play eight of those teams. So it's in our hands. Um, and yes, there's a lot of argument about Patrick Vieira and tactics and the way substitutions and everything else. But like I said, we've been hard to beat. And you know, Patrick Vieira and the coaching staff, I, I think, I mean, that's that's a bit of a nail on the head, actually. The coaching staff, there's been a lot of questions about the coach backroom staff for, for, for Vieira and whether or not they're actually good enough. Um, a lot of questions about that. But the fan base have been really mixed on Patrick, um, to be honest with you. Um, yes, we've been hard to beat. Um, but yeah, it, it's so it's so difficult because it seems like a very odd time of the season to be getting rid of a manager. I know I know we've got two weeks now uh, before the next game. We play Leicester, which is the first game of the eight teams below us that we have to play. The only two teams above us at the moment, as we sit 12 currently, uh, we have to play at Fulham and Tottenham between now and the end of the season. Mm. And to be honest with you, those two sides are, you know, if we play like we know that we can, I would I would hope that we can get something out of those two games. Um, the way Spurs are playing, we'll touch on that, I know. Um, you know, Fulham getting knocked out of the FA Cup today the way they did, you know, might curtail their season a little bit, but they've been playing well. But it's the 18s below us that we have to play between now and the end of the season. And I think it's a little bit unfair that Vieira wasn't given to the end of the season, really, because I failed to see who's going to come in and make that much of a difference, if that makes sense to you. Um, but like I say, the fan base have been very mixed. You know, we haven't been entertained quite so much as we have, uh, as we were last season. We got to an FA Cup semi-final last season, as, as we know. And it's gone a little bit um, sour this season, unfortunately. Um, we've suffered a lot because of the World Cup break, to be honest. We we, we lost away to Nottingham Forest on that last game before we went for the world break for the World Cup. Um, but there's little things, you know, like in that game against Forest, we Wilf missed a penalty, you know, when we, when it was 0-0. If we would have scored that goal, if, if Wilf had scored that penalty, I'm convinced we'd have gone on to win that game. Um, or, or at least got a draw. Um, you know, against Villa, first game back for Wilf after injury, he scores that goal and ruled out for offside and then we go, go and lose 1-0. Um, but yeah, I maintain, you know, the basis of a team, I would much rather uh, put my money on us staying up we're, with a solid back line. I say solid, I mean, you know, we do have our faults, but like I say, we're, we're not being soundly beat. And yes, we did today, but I think today was just circumstance more than anything else. You're playing a team chasing for the title for the first time in goodness knows how long uh, away from home. And, you know, we're, we're going there with no coaching staff. You know, the, the youth team coaches have um, stepped up to take the team, you know, at, um, at Arsenal. So it's a very peculiar situation. Like I say, I failed to see who would come in and make a better fist of it between now and the end of the season than Vieira would have done. Yeah, I, you know, what, give, give Vieira the rest of the season and then, you know, in the summer, reevaluate. If you want to move and change, then you've got the chance in the summer to do it. But yeah, it, it seems a very, very knee jerk reaction. Um, you know, we are um, three, we're, our, we're in 12th. It's a crazy situation to be in. We're in 12th still at the moment. We seem to be in 12th for six months, it feels like. Um, but we're three points ahead of West Ham, who are currently in 18th. So, you know, that's 
you know, that's a lot of teams in the mix for the bottom three this season, which I can see why the owners have pulled the plug on Vieira, but I think that they need to hold their hands up as well because they didn't really back Vieira in the last two transfer windows. You know, we had a very good season last season. He was playing progressive football with the players that we have, but there were question marks over the midfield quality, the striker quality, and our win-backs we struggle with terribly to actually play that expansive game. We don't have the win-backs, you know, that can actually play that kind of expansive football like a lot of teams do. So that he needed to be backed in the two windows. He wasn't particularly backed well enough. So the board, you know, they, they've got, they've got some questions to answer as well, but it is what it is. Um, Vieira is no longer boss of Palace and, and we head into the international break looking for a manager. So we'll have to see what that brings over the, I'm hopeful we've got to bring somebody in, you know, over the next few days, we can't leave it um, uh, closer to the Leicester game. We've got to get somebody in that can work with the players that are obviously not on international duty, get things set up and, and whatever. But yeah, um, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I think you made a lot of really good points there, especially the timing, which which we both alluded to now. It just yeah. feels yeah. really odd considering you weren't really like dropping down the table. As you said, and we also mentioned this on the show last mm. week, last week there were nine teams within six points of 20th, not even the relegation zone. Mm. So everybody's really close. Mm. So is the club's hope just to get ahead of the pack by making a, a, a deal like this, even though you weren't really plummeting when, when the decision was made? I don't know what the club's thought process was. Um, there's been a lot of rumours coming out about um, different things. Um, I don't know how true they are, whether they're just speculation, but uh, one, uh, two of them I will mention. Uh, one of them was Patrick Vieira was interested in taking the Leeds job after Jesse Marsh was sacked. Um, so if that's true, then, you know, that would get under the skin of the owners, for sure. You know, if, if a manager looking elsewhere, then... You know, does he want to be here? Um, I don't like I say, I don't know how true that was, but um, another rumor was that uh, Palace, the owners were looking to sack him last February after a run of poor results. So it sounds very much like it was on the cards. Um, so if you believe everything that's been said, there was um, a obviously in the World Cup break, everyone, all teams went off and you know, play friendlies and whatever. We went to Turkey and there was a bust up on the training ground between a couple of players. So if if that is all to be believed, then, you know, if all that's been bubbling under, then I guess, you know, it was only a matter of time, really. You know, it was never going to get to the end of the season. Um, but again, you know, I just don't see much of the logic behind it. You know, Yes, I mean, at one point we were nine points at the bottom three, now, then we were six, and now we're suddenly three. You know, we've lost 4-1 today, which has hit our goal difference, which could be a hugely important part of who stays up this season and who goes down. So that wasn't needed today, mm. really. But, you know, I think what happened in the week, you know, there's been a lot of pressure on the players. There's been a lot of accusation of players not putting in the effort and stuff like that. You know, they've had to take a lot of stuff on the chin since uh, Vieira was sacked on the Friday morning. Um I don't think Vieira was completely at fault. I think the players need to hold their hands up as well for obviously, you know, there's tactics there and, you know, they've not been applying them properly or not being, you know, whether they're goal shy or whatever or not doing what they need to do. Um, but I think, you know, each party is accountable. The owners, the players, uh, Vieira uh, for certain uh, for certain things. But I just, again, it just seems like you said, Kev, odd timing. 
really, considering, you know, when you think about how, how close it is down there, I think three wins, probably four, will see us okay. And, you know, when, we're, when we've got to play eight teams at the bottom, the, team, the nine teams, but below us, that says a lot about the fixture list and how it's worked for us this season. You know, we've got all the big teams out of the way now. I'll say that we're playing Tottenham and we're playing Fulham. They're the two teams above us that we've got left to play. The rest of them, you know, you get three or four wins out of those other games. I'm not saying we will, but I don't think we've played, you know, entirely badly this season. Um, we've had fits and starts, um, but I still think that we're hard, hard to beat. And again, today kind of, you know, demolishes that suggestion. <laughs> but again, again, it's I think it's an odd circumstance today. After the week we've had, you know, we lose to Brighton 1-0 narrowly. Patrick Vieira sacked on Friday morning. All of his coaching staff are sacked as well on the same morning. So, you know, all of a sudden, because often, you know, you know as well as I do, Kev. When you when you hear a second of a manager, you generally have his assistant take over for you know a few uh, the next yeah. game or if Conte leaves, ever. it would be Ryan Mason. Yeah. Like you just naturally have one. Of those. Exactly, exactly. But in this circumstance, it's the whole they've all gone. Yeah, it's not just Vieira's gone. It's his coaching staff have gone as well, which for me is the right thing to do because I always think that it can't be just the manager. It's got to be the coaching staff's problem as well. Oh, as a manager, you know, and obviously, you know, generally, if a new manager comes in, they clear out the coaching staff anyway. So it's kind of, you know, you're on borrowed time anyway, if you were a coach for uh, the manager that's been sacked. But it's not normally, you know, as um, clinical as that, I guess. But um, yeah, I, you know, it's happened. I feel sorry for Vieira, wish him very well for the future, um, thank him for his efforts. But I just really, really hope we're continuing down a similar a lion, i.e. a progressive up-and-coming manager to take over and kind of carry on the work that Vieira started. Yes, it might have gone a little bit off track this season, but, you know, like you said, I don't think we've looked in, in, in a lot of trouble this season, but obviously, you know, now we're three points ahead of the bottom three. You know, three teams from nine can go down this season. Quite yeah. clearly, there's a gap now between us and Villa, 11-point gap between us and Villa, so there's clear, there's, you know, there's a clear... Uh, you know, split of the table now. So, um, yeah, it's crazy how it's turned out. But I guess I think the biggest thing now is that the board make the right decision. And by the right decision, I don't think an interim manager will help us between now and the end of the season, a firefighter. Um, I think we need to make the right call now, unless there is somebody becoming available in the summer who can't take over the club now. And we agree to that. You know, there's a lot of talk about Roy Hodgson yeah. I mean the only thing is he knows the club he knows the players but does he you know, didn't he's, you he's... do like a massive squad refresh the second he was out the door well yeah well yeah yeah you're right we did he knows some of the players I should say uh, but he knows the club that's the biggest thing he knows the club he knows what needs yeah. to be done um, but I don't want I don't want that it's, it's a step back you know um, I don't want an interim manager I want us to go out and get a manager who can carry on the work that Vieira started. Um, we've got a talented squad of players and, you know, we've had a few blips this season and we haven't been playing, but yeah, it, it's just a really frustrating time at the moment. The, the, the fan base is really mixed. There was a lot of fans out there wanted Vieira gone, um, which is fine. You, you know, everyone has their opinion, not enjoying the football, but, you know, I think, I think there's a clear, as a fan of, of Palace, I mean, I've been a fan since, Mid eighties, 
uh, of Palace. And, you know, we, this is our 10th season in the Premier League. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be looking to progress to the next level, but Vieira was kind of that next, that new style of manager, moving away from likes of Hodgson, Allardyce, Pulis, uh, Holloway, Pardew. You know, Vieira was different. Yes, we had that nightmare uh, with Frank de Boer, which didn't last very long. Um, but Vieira was that kind of refreshing uh, introduction. And, you know, it's understandable he wasn't the first choice at the time. Um, but first season, finished 12th, FA Cup semi-final, you know, playing some decent football with likes of Eze, Elise um, and Zaha and and. Uh, but it's just, yeah, it's just gone a little bit sour this season. Probably not as sour as, you know, perhaps warranting the second, but there must have been other things behind the scenes that uh, a bit worried. But football's a business. You know, we're three points above the bottom three, not scoring goals. Um, so, yeah, I, it is harsh. But I can see why they've done it just about. But this decision now has to be the right one. If it's mm. going to be an interim manager, then I'll accept it. If we're going to get the right, if we've got the right man to coming come in, in the summer. I mean, who is that right man? I mean, this is the thing. You know, there's been a few names banded around, but I want us to continue being progressive, but the board need to learn to back the manager. You know, we still need to change the squad. You know, we need those we need those fullbacks that can play that style of football. You know, mm. um, we've got fullbacks. Fullbacks are fullbacks. You know, they're not attacking fullbacks or anything. If you want to play progressive football with the likes of, you know, the, the talent we've got in the squad, the likes of Eze, Elise and Zaha then you know you've got to support that with you know the right players coming in yeah just seems seems very crazy considering you know a little over a year ago we were all talking about how brilliantly that rebuild went what a great hire Vieira was despite it being yeah. risky and yeah. it just kind of all turned south um just a very uh potentially dumb question from the outside looking in that that, that I <laughs> people listening may have like on a scale of one to ten how much of this would have been avoided if you had either had the money to bring back Gallagher or if he'd been willing to come back on loan? Oh, <laughs> um, I think this would have been avoided. Yeah. We'd, we'd have, you know, we'd have probably had a better season last season. I mean, you know, Conor Gallagher had a great first six months of us, first half of the season with us. Second half of the season, he tailed off a bit, but he was, he was critical to the way that we played. And we've never found a placement for him he scored goals he was he was just energetic it was infectious um and it was yeah i mean even just another i mean another season online would have just you know avoided the issue really or, or you know put the issue on the back burner really um but yeah he was critical to the way that we played last season so yeah i i think it's it, it's hard to say this now, but I think, you know, even now, you look at the team now, we don't have that player. We just don't have that player in the midfield. I think Hamada could be that player in time. Uh, the youngster we bought from um, uh, Stuttgart in January, very talented player, looks very attack-minded. He's only had a few camp, couple of cameos so far, but he looks energetic. If he, if he played the same, if he's given the same role... You know, give him the summer, pre-season training, next season with the club. I think he, he could be um, a really good player. I mean, he played, what, I think he only missed one game for Stuttgart, you know, until he moved to Palace. And that was, you know, the weekend of the transfer window closing. So that's why he didn't play in that game. Very highly rated at Stuttgart. A young player coming through. Um, just hasn't really had 
the look in so far. But yeah, sometimes it takes time for players to adjust to the Premier League when they're coming from other leagues. So, um, so yeah, really good point. I think, yeah, I think Vieira will still be in a job, and we wouldn't be anywhere close to three points above the bottom three. Um, I'm not saying we'd be chasing for Europe, but we'd certainly be in a better position we are now. Certainly, I don't know, eight, nine, ten points better for sure, because some of the games you look at that we've narrowly lost 1-0 um, you know with that high press that we had with Gallagher playing yeah it's it's hard to look back on it now really it really is because we yeah that, that's a massive that's a massive thing um, and it's certainly not a stupid question because I think we look a different side this season um, we've tried to um, shoehorn Eze, Elise, Zaha yeah. all into the same team and it's great when they're you know when it works but we don't have that striker, that natural instinct striker to be there and put the ball in the back of the net. And, you know, that's the thing. If you're willing to, if you want to, if you've got the money to spend 80 million or whatever on Haaland or there's only a handful of strikers in the world that would guarantee your goals, isn't there really? And you've got to pay top dollar for that. The likes of Palace and even some of the, you know, top sides have to gamble on players, you know, spend the money and gamble on players, you know, bigger gambles and clubs like Palace. But, you know, players are, can guarantee you 15, 20 goals a season are just gold dust, aren't they, really? So you're having to find that kind of player somehow that can adjust to the Premier League and uh, um, and, and do that. So, you know, teams like Palace will always struggle. You know, Fulham have Mitrovic, Brentford have Ivan Tony. That's why they're there. Brighton, well, I mean, it's probably different for them a little bit because they, they're a good, they, they, they spread goals across the team. But much of the success of teams is built around a striker that can score you know, a good amount of goals in a season and probably that's why the bottom half of the table are where they are, really. So yeah, it's yeah, it, it's it's a massive thing. Conor Gallagher, that's that's a really good point that yeah, I think we'd be in a much better place if he was with us this season, but he's not, and I guess that's where we find ourselves now. Yeah. Definitely uh unfortunate that you weren't able to kind of capitalize on that. Although as you mentioned, he was much better the first half of the season than the second, but Still, yeah, just yeah. just having a player with that profile in your midfield, I still think opens up a lot of mm. opportunities. Um, you mentioned all of the really Great. talented young attacking players that you have in your side. Um, mm. The manager that comes in, do you think it would be better to lean into the strength of your attack and you know score a lot of goals, but maybe concede more than you're used to, or do you think you'd go for uh, a manager that's a bit more defensive and just kind of hope that the attackers can figure out the goals on the other end of the pitch? so difficult isn't it because we've had we've seen both sides of the coin at Palace really you know we've we've had the we've had the manager that likes to score goals but can't defend um you know we have two excellent centre-backs at Palace we have um Joachim Anderson and Mark Guy who has rightly been called back into the England squad by Gareth Southgate because he's had a very good season regardless of our struggles he's you know those two together at the back have been superb this season um like I say, the fullbacks have been the problem for us. Uh, Tyrant Mitchell probably hasn't lived up to uh, his England call-up. Um, was it earlier on this season? It seems like such a long season. I can't even remember now. Um, I think it was at the start of the season, wasn't it? Or was it the end of last season? Can't remember now. Um, and then Joel Ward, mixture of Joel Ward and Nathaniel Klein, the other side, which, you know, I think we put a lot of eggs in one basket with Nathan Ferguson, uh, who has been just so injury-prone for a, for a youngster. But he's kind of back to fitness uh, we're hoping we might see a, a couple of um, you know a couple of games for him towards the end of the season if he can get in and hopefully a summer 
good someone behind him and uh, we'll have another option at right back. But the, the full back is the problem. Um, in terms of the manager, I mean, I mean, from the outside looking in, I'm pretty certain that, you know, somebody looking at a squad would think that's an exciting squad of players to work with, really. When you look at the talent that's, that's there. Um, big question marks about Wilf in the summer. Uh, you know, Wilf was, um, worked well with Vieira. Uh, so you have to wonder how that's going to affect, you know, his contract running down. He's, he's a free agent in the summer. There's been a lot of talk about it throughout the season, but nothing from the club, nothing from Zaha. We're 10 games away from potentially Wilf going somewhere else, which would be a real shame, but I wouldn't begrudge him in the slightest. So this is why, I mean, the club have to get this right, this appointment now. If they're, if they're sacking Vieira now, then it's got to be the right appointment straight away and you know who who knows you know nothing is, is guaranteed in football is it but i yeah whether it's a progressive manager that can continue the work that um yeah that's what i want i there's no point changing our style and kind of the way the way people see palace and not follow that back that up you know and and get a manager in who is you know kind of like the, the purest of old Allardyce, you know, those sort of Hodgson, those sorts of managers. You know, we've moved on from that now. We need somebody that can pick up from where Vieira left off. Unfortunately, he was sacked, yeah, but, you know. Um, somebody mentioned to me yesterday, um, Broncast, uh, sacked at Rangers, um, but obviously did well at Feyenoord. Um a lot of experience uh, in manager for his relatively young age. I think he's about forty-eight. You know, could he be an option for Palace as a as a player as a as a you know as a as a manager? Well, that's that's sort of a you know sort of a left field shout. I think um, there's a few names in that list that I don't look on really. Um, I don't really know. I know there's a rumor that we're talking to the former um, Borussia Mönchengladbach manager. Um, I don't know. I watch Bundesliga, but I don't know much about him, to be honest. Um, so yeah, it's it's difficult because you know you look at the likes of other clubs in this in the Premier League who have Brighton is a good example. Lost Graham Potter, who had done great stuff at Brighton, and then they brought in um, the Shakhtar Donetsk manager, who is doing even better with Brighton. So you know it's finding somebody that fits straight away and can come in and get. A, those results between now and the end of the season. Um, defensive manager, well, I mean, the defence does its, you know, does its thing. You know, we've got two centre backs that play football. We don't have centre backs that clear the ball, head the ball away, or give it to the midfield. We have two centre backs that can play football, which is a massive thing. That's a massive shift for Palace. So we've never been used to that until we had those two come in um, last season, and they they're great to watch. Um, but, you know, other teams manage it. Other managers manage it, you know. Look at the likes of Fulham and Brentford in the Premier League this season. You know, they, they've they managed that fine, you know, balance between the two. Yes, they don't win every game, but, you know, they, they've done far better than most people expected them to this season. So, um, yeah, yeah I, it's such a difficult one, Kev, to be honest. It really is because, you know, I didn't expect Vieira to be sacked uh, when he was. And we're in that position now where it's seen... I just hope the board know what they're doing. I, I I think that's all I can say. I just hope that they know what they're doing because, you know, we're at a bit of a crossroads now. You know, do we stay with that style of manager to kind of try and carry on playing the way we've tried to play, like, particularly like last season? Um, 
I find, I'm, I'm finding it really difficult to kind of understand, you know, decision making really, um, and 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 who's going to come in at this point? You know, you, you talk about Frank Lampard, Steven Gerrard, but neither of them cover themselves in any glory in either class. But sometimes it just takes somebody to fit at a club. You know, they might not have had a great experience elsewhere, but um, yeah, sometimes it just happens like that, doesn't it? So yeah, we'll have to wait and see and make sure that hopefully the boards do make the right decision. I just hope it's not, like I say, an interim manager. I really do. Mm. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Yeah, unfortunately, doesn't sound too dissimilar, a lot of that, from what's going on at Tottenham. The, the points that you touched on that I think apply for both is uh, Zaha, and I think there's an analog there for Kane, which is if you don't get the right hire, yeah. you're probably losing, um, you know, arguably your best attacking player for, for either nothing if they yeah. walk or or you have to try to sell very quickly um, before the, the value diminishes. Um, not fully trusting the board that they'll get it right is also a, a, an issue, I think, at Tottenham as well. Um, for those that aren't aware why we'd be talking about Conte again after he was the lead topic last week, um, he had, shall we say, a memorable press conference after the 3-3 draw with Southampton. Um, yeah. Um, I think that he will be remembered for that more at Tottenham than much else by neutrals. Um, mm. Obviously, the, the push for the top four last year was really huge. The 3-0 against Arsenal uh, to get there, the huge win against Norwich to ensure that we got fourth and also for Son to get a share of the golden boot. All those are really, really good moments. But outside of making top four last year, we've been pretty short on, on good moments under Conte. There have been good results. There have been good performances here and there. Have they been this year? Not particularly. But uh, I think this will just, in in Conte's history, this will just be another chapter in the went to a club, didn't get exactly what he wanted because, and I said this last week, I don't know if any club could give Conte exactly what he wanted. I'm not sure there's enough money in the world. Um, and then as soon as things started t- turning south, the players kind of, uh, turn against him, which is an issue at the club. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I think we were talking about this before we hit record. A lot of what he said wasn't wrong. Um, it, that's one of the things is is that uh, you you need better performances 
from players, but you also need to be put in positions to succeed. And I think one of the reasons why it's happening again with players kind of turning against the manager, but but this time specifically under Conte, is with all of his automatisms, it really strips the uh, individuality and the creativity out of players' games. I, uh, last week, somebody was talking about how Basuma has to be one of the bigger disappointments from the transfer window. And it's because we took one of the most instinctive midfielders in the Premier League and then gave him a set of rules to follow. Like he just isn't able to to be his best player. And I think that's a really damning trend with, with Conte since joining the club. I was texting a couple of uh, uh, Spurs friends and just asking them which players they thought were better this year than last year. And all I got were three different names, which was Kane, Emerson Royale, and maybe Hoybier. Kane, I don't think is actually better, but we're leaning on his goal scoring more than his creation, which obviously had kind of been like a three-year trend from from Mourinho through Nuno into Conte, where he was kind of sitting a bit deeper, playing it over the top to Sun, which is why Sun was the one that was in the golden boot race. But Sun isn't scoring this year. So we did kind of adjust so that Kane is the focal point of the attack. And in any other year, he'd be walking the golden boot race. But instead, he's like four or five behind Holland. Um, Just because of how absurd he is, which you referenced earlier. Buying strikers that you know will score goals, as City did. Um, but Kane got better. Emerson Royale, I don't think, got better in terms of like his ability. I think he did learn the system better. Um, and that's that's mm-hmm. very important to Conte. Um, and Hoybier has had to do more because of the rotating cast that he's been next to after Bentancourt's injury. So uh, also not sure that he's better, but he's he's had more of an impact on matches rather than just being the shield for the back line. Although you could argue that's led to some mm-hmm. of the some of the defensive issues. <laughs> but anyway, for for people that don't know, um, Kev, no quick question. You know, you mentioned Basuma mm. and bringing him in, and he just doesn't look anything like the player he was at Brighton because you're asking him. To- do different things yeah. basically I, why i don't understand why clubs do this because it's happened historically it's not just spurs yeah. chelsea have been guilty of doing it liverpool have been guilty of doing it but buying a player who um who looks great in their club and you know this is why they come to prominence because they're playing well at whatever club they're at and their their stock has risen and they're you know worth x amount x million pounds and whatever um and then they bring them to to whatever club it is they sign them for millions of pounds and they don't play them in that position or yeah. or, or the you know Chelsea or Spurs or whatever don't play the same formation as the team that they're buying the player from who's excelling in that formation getting the right service um it's mad how teams do it you know Liverpool have been guilty I think most teams have been guilty of it um spending you know all these millions on players expecting them to come and fit into their system and you get them to do something different. Like you said, Pesuma is a, is a great example of Spurs. It's just, it, it just seems crazy. It does. And you're right. Clubs do just keep doing it. They, they conflate like overall ability or talent level with system fits. And it's, mm. it just doesn't work yeah. that way. Like Basuma is exactly. probably our most talented midfielder, but he's the one that least mm. fits the formation. So <laughs> like, what's the, what's the point? Like, listen, I, I am a fan of football video games, so I don't want to be one of those people that's like, oh, if you play FIFA, you don't understand what tactics are or any of that stuff. But like, it's genuinely that. It's like, I have increased the overall rating of one of my midfielders. Like, does he fit the system? 
is he going to push forward? Do you want him to be the holding midfielder? And like, oh, we'll figure that out later. He's, you know, an 80-whatever. <laughs> like, it, it genuinely feels like that. It's just like, he's better than our current options in a vacuum. Instead of asking whether or not he's a better option in, in, in our formation or the yeah. way we play. But yeah, it's yeah, an excellent point. Big clubs do that all the time. Do you think, <laughs> just because it's kind of a free-form show, do you think that smaller clubs do it less because they can't afford to be as wrong? Or do you think it happens there just as much, but it isn't as covered because, you know, outside the top six, a lot of clubs largely aren't covered? Good point. No, that's a really good point. I don't think it happens as much because I think we're talking about players, uh, you know, their stock level has, has risen because they are at up-and-coming clubs in different countries and they just see them as right I'm gonna we're gonna throw 60 million at that player you know because he is that good but you know and I, and I think that kind of makes plus blink because in a way because they see them they seem that they must scout these players oh I'm not sure Chelsea do to be honest but um these teams must scout these players and think and, and they must actually look at how the how this how this player is being uh, you know is excelling so much so well in this particular formation for this team because he's because he's being given this service or he's playing this position which is you know and then like you said about that Ukrainian player at Chelsea just you know it's, it's just mad uh, it's just crazy I don't think it happens quite so much at lower league uh, sorry not lower league the, the, the teams outside the top six perhaps because a money you know you're not going to throw that sort of money at players it's they can't afford to gamble um, I think the biggest gamble with with um, these sides outside of top six is is really the striker position. You know, getting a striker in to score goals. But then, if you do get a striker in to score goals, then and, and they prove themselves in the Premier League, they're not going to be in that club for very long. You know, let's face it. I, I think it's common knowledge that I think it's the Wolves. They haven't had a striker score a, a goal for over a year now. They, they just uh, had one. Huang scored last weekend, I think. But yeah, it was a year. Uh, yeah, it was about a year, yeah, which is which is mad. Um, but yeah, no, I don't think it does happen for those clubs quite so much. Yes, I think there are clubs that um, you know, kind of play play players in different positions simply because of the personnel available to them. A lot of the time, you know, sometimes at some clubs you have. I think every every club's got a utility player that can play in more than one or two positions. Um, but I think, yeah, I don't think it happens quite so much. But you do have players that, you know, square pegs in round holes sometimes for injury, suspension or whatever um, for different reasons. I think, was it Gross played at right back for Brighton today? And again, um, Party went full back today, I think, for Tottenham, uh, for Arsenal um, in the last stage of the game. So, you know, players have the ability to, to fit in different positions. Not the strongest position, of course, but... Um, but yeah, no. It, I was speaking of Palace, I don't, I don't think it's really happened for Palace. Really, it, it, it's it's harder for these clubs to gamble. I mean, I suppose in, in one respect, I mean Palace paid thirty million for Christian Benteke, um, which he had a great first first season and a half for us, and then yeah, <laughs> same player for such a long time. And again, you know, that's a gamble, but it's it's slightly different because you'd expect. You know, a striker with proven Premier League quality to be able to score goals. But again, you know, I would argue that we didn't play, we didn't play the right way for him because I noticed so many times that we're playing the ball to the floor, ball along the floor to him a lot of the time. Whereas, put it in the air, big striker, score headers. You know, do what, play to his strengths. You know, I think, I think a lot of clubs are guilty of that. But 
yeah it's yeah it's a good point yeah it's a bit of a weird one um all right like mm. I, I guess we should talk about conte's actual press conference so people can understand why this is so inflamed two weeks ago we thought he was about to get <laughs> sacked last week we won maybe he'll stay yeah. till the end of the season this week a disappointing draw against southampton and then one of the most fiery press conferences we've ever seen um so here's here's kind of the short version it was about a 10 minute rant i'm obviously not gonna not gonna go through all of it um, but he went into the players, calling them selfish, um, telling them that you know they don't play for each other, that they need to play for the badge. Um, the players were the players. I see 11 players that only play for themselves. Um, first of all, you're attacking every single player um, that's, that's playing that match, although I suppose there were three substitutions, two of which were injuries in terms of Richarlison and Davis. So are they selfish players, or is it just the 11 that ended the match? <laughs> are you saying that Harry Kane is selfish? Are you saying, you know, any multitude of these players, uh, Oliver Skip finally getting a chance, actually been performing really well? Is he selfish? Is this a brush you want to stroke all of the players in your team with? I don't know. Um, then he kind of touched on where we're at in the season. Now there are 10, 10 games to go, and someone thinks we can fight with this attitude, with this spirit, for what? Seventh, eighth place? I'm not fighting for this. It's everyone's responsibility. Okay, so here's the thing. Is you're the manager... And just saw us get knocked out of the two other cup competitions in the last three weeks. And also have had two losses in the Premier League that could knock us out of the chance of finishing top four. So saying that the best we can do is finish seventh or eighth, you're the manager. That doesn't just like arbitrarily happen. Um, So it felt really weird to be like, well, Tottenham can only finish for seventh or eighth. Like you can only finish seventh or eighth because of the decisions you've made. But anyway, um, then the thing that I think... uh, is what has brought his job very quickly into question was his response to why this happens at Tottenham. He said, they're used to it here. They don't play for something important. They don't want to play under pressure. They don't want to play under stress. It's easy this way. Tottenham's story is this for 20 years. One owner, but they've never won something. Why? So, pretty inflammatory. Um, And... I, we were talking before we hit record, and I'm sure a lot of you, if you have any Spurs fans in your life, have heard this. A lot of it isn't wrong. But what is wrong is, A, a lot of people don't want him to say it because he's basically made it sound like he's been doing our club a favor by being here basically since he set foot in London again. Um, and you can't say that about your employer. Like, in what job... There was also a later inflammatory one where he was like, if you want to change the manager, change the manager, but the situation will never change. Trust me. What what company could you be like, the leadership of this organization are all terrible. This company will fail and me leaving won't change that and nothing will change here ever. Bye, I guess. You don't get to go to work the next day in most situations, (laughs) right? Um, So that was that was pretty, uh, pretty intense. Um, I was telling uh, Jay also before we hit record, he's back in Italy already. He flew back to Italy. He didn't talk to the players after the match yesterday. All those comments were made exclusively to media. And now he's just gone. (laughs) He just left and went all the way back to to Italy, kind of sight unseen. Will he come back? Who's to say? Um, But there's been a really strong divide in the reaction to these comments. Because you have like the Enoch out, Levy out people that are, like, glad that somebody's finally, like, saying what needs to be said. These are the real issues at the club. This this kind of, like, consistent inconsistency. 
where anytime the stakes are highest, we we kind of wilt the fastest. Um, not doesn't entirely hold up to scrutiny, having made it to several semifinals and finals over the last five or so years. But we have not won anything. That well, that part's true. We have won something in the last twenty years. Conte was wrong. There was a there was a league cup in there somewhere. But um, then you have the other half, which is fans that feel like as a manager you don't get to say these things about a club, questioning their history, telling them there's no future, attacking you know the players, the board, the owners, the staff. Like you don't get to do all of that without saying any of it to yourself. Um, so where I've kind of landed is kind of squarely in the middle, but the one thing that I just can't abide is that he took blame or fault for none of it. And we were obviously sold Conte as one of the great managers in football. He's won everywhere he's gone. He wins league titles everywhere he goes. He's one of the five best tacticians in world football. We haven't seen that this year. Um, as people are probably aware, he's lost a lot of people close to him personally this year, including one that was a coach uh, on the staff at, at Tottenham. Um, he obviously had his big medical issue. But to go on a tirade against everyone else that touches the product on the pitch and leave yourself out of it, I think is really suspect. <laughs> like we were saying earlier, which players has he improved? Which matches have we looked tactically smarter than the other team? That was the point. Pochettino had one system. Everyone knew how we played. We played that way every week. We had 11 players that we trusted. Didn't even have a 12th that we'd consider. Everyone knew what we were going to do. But on average, we would win more matches than not. Where that really led to our issues were in cup competitions. Where if you know how we're going to play, you can counter that. Um... So you finally bring in, you know, Mourinho, who does a lot of opposition tactics, where he's not as worried about what his team's doing. He's he's trying to neutralize what the other team does. For those like the NFL, Bill Belichickian, <laughs> take away their best option, see if they, see if they can beat you with somebody else. <laughs> then, uh, do we even need to talk about Nuno? Let's not. Let's just skip to Conte. <laughs> um, then you bring in this manager, who kind of other side of the fence is all about maximizing the. Uh, efficiency of his team. If you run this exact same play in the exact same situation 10 times, you're going to score in multiple of them. So instead of having creativity, having flair, having kind of independence um, in each of your players, if if a player is addressing you and you're on a half turn, this is the way you turn. That's the player that should be open. Pass it to him. That's it. After that, there's nothing else. So if the players aren't executing it well, if the league has figured it out, which it largely seems to have. There's no there's no solution to it. So now you have a bunch of players with no autonomy that consi- consistently see their team putting up poor results, that are dull in attack, that concede loads of goals at the back. We're averaging almost three goals conceded a game in our last five or ten away games. I forget which one it was. Um, we conceded 40 goals this season. That's more than Crystal Palace, who, in case you weren't paying attention, <laughs> did just get rid of their manager. The only teams that have a worse goals conceded record than Tottenham Hotspur right now are in the relegation battle. Wolves, Leeds, Everton, Nottingham Forest, and Leicester and Southampton. All of them are within that four points of 20th place, except for Tottenham, who are currently in fourth. But not Palace. (laughs) But not Palace. We've only conceded 38. (laughs) Um, But 
If you're going to play this way, if you're going to play a set tactic every week, try to run the exact same plays or automatisms over and over again, set up almost exclusively to defend, hope that Kulisevsky, Kane, and Son can do something at the other end of the pitch. This has been a lot worse since Bentoncourt got hurt, granted, because he was the one that kind of connected the two groups. <laughs> but you can't set up to defend and concede 40 goals. We're in match week 28. Like, that is so unforgivable for, like, most clubs, period. But your identity cannot be a strong defense when you're conceding that many goals. It just, it just can't be. So, much like we were saying earlier about Palace, what's the point of setting up defensively if it isn't going to get you results? Admittedly, Southampton was technically a result, but when you're 3-1 up against the team in 20th place in the Premier League, you're probably assuming you're going to win that more often than not. Um, so that, that really bugged me, that he did not address any of his own failings. And, and it really cost him the empathy that he'd gained from me because of all the difficult situations in his personal life. If he had come out and said all of this, and even at the very end, had been like, postscript, I've been going through a really difficult time. I also haven't been at my best. Let's try to see if we like push on the rest of the season. Then there's at least like something. But literally, if you go through it, not one comment was critical of himself. Jose Mourinho was incredibly critical of players at the club, specifically Eric Dyer, which was a problem. So much so that we sacked him the week of a cup final. And his comments were less inflammatory than this. So the fact that as we record Sunday evening UK time, that that's still the manager of Tottenham Hotspur Football Club is crazy to me. If you want to remove all emotion, if you want to just pretend this didn't exist, which in theory, it sounds like the board and Levy are doing, that he told them that all of his criticisms were actually about the players, not the owner, despite him specifically saying the owner has been here 20 years and you've won nothing. Not really sure how you pull that one off. A uh, bit of gaslighting, I suppose. Um, if, if you strip all, all of this noise away, Antonio Conte has a very good record in leagues when he has a week to prepare. Didn't work this last week. So I guess there's still a chance that they're like, he's still our best chance to get top four. But do you think that's the case with that dressing room where he just called all of the players selfish? Going into a dressing room where as a professional, you've just slated all of them, but not even laid a finger on yourself? Like, I don't think, I don't think that goes well. And much like you're, you're uh, saying with Palace, like, who do you go after? Like, would you just let Ryan Mason carry it to the end of the season? He, he did a respectable job replacing Jose. Do you just bring in Pochettino tomorrow? Kind of kind of your version of Hodgson? Where you're like, well, at least he knows the club. So, like, just come in, get it sorted. I mean, obviously, if we brought in Pochettino, it would probably be long-term. And you'd just be bringing him in early, trying to craft, you know, what your transfer strategy yeah. would be and all that. But, like, it's it's a, it, like you were saying, with, it's a really bad time to need to bring in a manager. And it feels like Conte just made us have to make that decision. I think... You hit an eye on the head there, Kev, because the point you raised about Conte, his experience and what he's what he's done in the game, and then goes to Spurs, it kind of makes you think, you know, yes, you wouldn't expect the manager to come out and say it, but isn't this what everyone's thinking, including Spurs fans? Mm. Is, is that, you know, Spurs, there must, there's something hereditary wrong at Spurs for them to not be winning anything in was it 20 years? 21, is it? One is league it cup long? in 20 years. One league cup in 20, Te 20 Technically years, yeah. one, one cup since 1991, but Enix only been there 20 years. But that's the thing is that, 
you know, for 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 a club that considers themselves one of the top clubs in the country, that's just not good enough for the money for the money being spent for the for the huge amount of investment in in the stadium. Um, you know, for everything that goes with Spurs and they consider themselves a big club, they're just not competing on that level at all. And you know, I think everybody everybody would admit that. Conte is right with what he's saying. It makes you question, you know, if Conte's been successful everywhere, goes to Spurs and isn't successful, kind of makes you wonder, doesn't it, really? Even even the most ardent Spurs fan must actually question, you know, the the club and the owner and stuff like that, which, you know, I get. I totally understand that because it kind of makes you think that way. But Conte having that meltdown, you know, to the press, and outing all of the players, and that's not that's never good. I mean, what ten games left Spurs have got? Mm. Um, Spurs, you know, you're you're currently fourth, but you've got Newcastle breathing in that with two games in hand. Um, you know, they're looking they're looking good at the moment. They're scoring goals, um, and Spurs just I don't know. They, they just seem to disappoint week in week out. They re- they they really are a. Um, they ruin people's bets week in, week <laughs> out, let's face it. And that's just a selfish view. But you just don't know what kind of... I mean, this is from the outside, you know, looking at what, you know, watching Spurs. You just don't know what you're going to get from Spurs week in, week out. And I'm sure Conte probably feels the same. Um, you know, to but a unlike extent, you, you, Conte probably, can do something about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I was going to say. You have to, you have to start... If he's questioning the players and the club and... And everything else, he's got to start questioning himself, his coaches. Change things. If it's not working, change things. You know, these are these are footballers, but you don't know what goes on behind the scenes, do you? I, I consider Conte a pretty strong character. Um, probably wouldn't take any rubbish from players, but you know, sometimes at clubs you find that you know there's players that have been there for a long time, and I'm not suggesting that's how he came, but um, you know player power and all that kind of stuff you, you would like to think that Conte is strong enough in his own mind to kind of deal with all of that but you just don't know what goes on behind the scenes but it's a it's a Jose-esque kind of meltdown in front of the uh, in front of the media isn't it and mm. it wasn't expected um, I do understand some of his frustration after the game yesterday because I think that, that penalty wasn't a penalty I really didn't think it was a penalty no. in the slightest. So, the refereeing was really um, poor in that match overall. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But to give a penalty for that, which ended up being the last kick of the game from the spot for, for Southampton, I mean, you know, even when they checked check, check VAR, I mean, what are they doing? I think the, I mean, on a bit of a tangent, but the officiating in this country is absolutely shocking. You know, they've got all the technology in the world, you know, to take their time and they take your time and they still get it wrong. You know, it's, it must be frustrating for players, coaches, managers, fans. I know it is frustrating, but you know, they've got all of this. You don't get this hassle in Europe with VAR, you know, the official, yeah, the odd, the odd issue, but nothing like we experience in this country. And it's supposed to make things better. There was, there was a worry at one point when bringing in VAR would, you know, avoid the element of, you know, discussion, discussing, a controversial decisions, but it's got worse with VAR, isn't it? But anyway, that's yeah. that's a side issue. The whole Spurs thing is 
camera neutral it's compelling because it's just it's just so spurs if that makes sense yeah it's very, so very annoying spurs season in season out yeah 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 we're like the best that we can do is finish top four and in every other moment yeah. we'll struggle and uh alistair gold you know i'm brought it up and i'm also very hesitant to bring it up but like this is why spursy exists as a term and there will be patches where everybody's like this is why that term's stupid like a lot of patches ring where we were the second best team third best team champions league final but we didn't finish first in any of those um and i i do think that's that's really irritating to your point about like which players are kind of letting them down and, and you're absolutely right a lot of what he said is still true players have continually anytime the pressure is kicked in or anytime a manager's job is kind of on the line have just kind of given up they did it under Pochettino, they did it under Mourinho, they did it under Nuno, although admittedly that was never going to work. And now they're doing it under Conte. Um, the one narrative I don't love is when people are like, oh, it's the same players. Because the Tottenham squad has changed a lot since Pochettino was here. Because we've had so many different managers, we brought in so many different players. So like, I think there are only four primary senior players left from the Pochettino era, which is Kane, Son, Dyer, and Lloris. I, I don't know which of those people think are the ones that are undermining all these managers. None of them feel particularly mm. likely since every manager seems to have a love affair with Eric Dyer that proves to be their downfall. Harry Kane and Son are two of the most <laughs> professional, uh, two of the best professionals you're ever going to find. And Hugo Lloris is super mm. soft-spoken, so I can't really see him being able to like lead a coup against managers. Mm. Um, I will I will exist, uh, I will admit the existence of like transient I don't know if that's the word. Transitory culture. There we go. Where like every new player has taken on the vibe of the previous group because they've been part of it. And then that transitions to whoever the next group is. Like that's possible. But there is a narrative of like, oh, it's the same players always letting the managers down. I'm like, Kane and Son? You think it's those two? All right. <laughs> that's a, it's, a, it's a pretty hot take. Um, but yeah, it's it's just really bad. And... You know, would it be better if Levy sold? Would it be better if Paratici and Conte both went? Because the other thing that's lost in all of this and could be a reason why we aren't making a decision right now is our director of football could literally be in jail within a month. So is that who you want hiring, whoever your next manager is? Um, so it's, Spursy. It's, <laughs> it's, it's really, really bad. And then he's obviously the one that brought in Conte. Um, also, let's not lose in all of this the fact that both um, Bentoncourt and Kulisevsky are on the player side wrapped up in that same scandal um, from when they were at Juventus. So just just adding extra salt into the wound. Um, but yeah, it's it's really well, bad. And and I don't know I don't know what makes it better. You pointed out we're still fourth, and this is the term I keep using on the show with many games out of hand. <laughs> Newcastle and Liverpool with yeah. two, Brighton with three, and we still play them. Yeah, um, mm. could be April's going to be a wild month in, in the race for top four. But you know that's two dropped points. But then mm. also going back to your VAR point, say they don't give that penalty and Tottenham win three two. What yeah. what what world are we in then? Is Conte fine then? Was the performance fine? Can the players be trusted? Are they not selfish if you win three two? Or does he still go on this tirade after after a result that would be a meaningful push for his top four? Yeah, no, he he won't he he wouldn't have gone on that rant after winning three two. He'd have been annoyed at uh, you know allowing Southampton a chance to get back into the game, but you know had that penalty not been given as it 
it shouldn't have been given. Let's face it, we both agree on that. That um, it, yeah, you know, he would have it, kept his thoughts to himself and maybe. But then you know that VAR decision, you know, that decision to give the penalty was maybe just the straw that brought the camel's back. You know, it, this is a guy who's been under huge pressure. Um, in recent months, particularly, you know, he's had that uh, operation. He's lost people close to him, and he's only human. Let's face it. And you know, an outburst like that, you know, is that probably a little bit out of character? Yeah, maybe. But you know, it's 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 all coming to a head, isn't it? And uh, you know, we're all human at the end of the day. And you know, it only takes one question to be asked by the media to just really, you know, re- really annoy you or just mm. you know or just lead you to to go down that route we know what the media are like you know so yeah he shouldn't have done it but i think yeah like you say had spurs have won that game you'll be sitting in third place above um united you'll be on 51 points looking slightly healthier even though you've got you know get teams behind you with games at hand but it's that same old adage, isn't it? It's like having the points in the bag rather than the games to play. You know, you still got to play those games. You know, you're talking about Brighton there. They've got a lot of catch up to do. They're going to be playing yeah. games weekends, midweek, weekends to, till the end of the season. Now they've got sure. to the semi-finals, the FA Cup. So that's a lot of pressure. That is a lot of pressure at this stage of season. And let's face it, you know, this stage of season, it's results business. Who cares how teams are playing now? I don't care how Palace get three or four wins in the end of the season. Just get them. <laughs> you know, you can you can you can moan about the performances all you like, but get the points on the board. That's what this stage of season is all about, and particularly this season when we've had a break for the World Cup. You know, a lot of these players in these top side, every team in this Premier League have had players that have gone to the World Cup. Some more than others, as we know. You know, some of the top teams have had most of their team or squad even. You know, go to the World Cup um, in what has turned out to be a, a ridiculously ludicrous season. A lot of football being played. Still being played, you know. You going, you got City going deep into the into European competition. Same for United, as well as the FA Cup, as well as the League Cup. Um, Spurs obviously will pass on Spurs, but you know, you've got teams there that are play, you know, players are playing an awful lot of football. This, this is a knock-on effect to Liverpool last season. I'm, 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 hundred percent certain mm. of it. They played sixty plus games. Some of those players played Every over sixty game. games last season. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, people are asking, you know, why can't they carry on doing it this season? Well, it's not rocket science, is it? You know, you've got a season where you've got the World Cup in the middle of it. And yeah, it's just it's just a lot to keep doing. And they just look tired this season. And no surprise, is it really, um, to, to carry on playing the way they did? Battling on four fronts like that, you know, maybe City will have the same problem next season. You know, you just you just don't know. But this season is just an odd season, full stop. And like I say, ten games to go. If you're supporting a team, I, I between now and the end of the season, I wouldn't be moaning about performance. I'll get the points. Just get the points you need, and mm. that's you know, be done with it, and go off for the summer. And yeah, off you go. But it's going to be fascinating watching Spurs now because you know whether Conte is going to you know whether he's going to stay for the rest of the season, or you know whether Spurs take that decision out of his hands and you know decide to. But you know who does Spurs go for? You know, obviously you mentioned Postino's out mm-hmm. of work, but there's not there's not an awful lot else out there, really, is there? I got a you short know, list of uh, two, and it's Postino and Amarim, and you probably can't get the second till the end of the season. Yeah, exactly. The, the list is probably longer for Palace because of, there's quite a few candidates that are currently out of work at the moment, you know. But um, 
Yeah, it's it's difficult. You know, we know what football is like, and I think you know, going back to the Palace situation, you know, football is a business now. It's it's more than just a game of football. It is a business, and a lot of decisions are being made from a business mindset more than you know a football mindset because there's so much money involved. Um, yeah, it's it, it, it it's mad, but yeah, I I, I did enjoy Conte's rant because we haven't seen something like that for some time have we I mean I'm sure Spurs fans jaws were hitting the floor but it's I'd love to be a fly on the wall hearing what some of the players would have said you know hearing that because um I and it's just human nature isn't it you don't like to be criticized full stop but being criticized to the media and not to your face yeah it's not great it's not a good look is it yeah uh if it was Palace and and your sitting manager said all this. What what do you think they do? Oh, dear me. Um, what what do I think Palace would do? Um, well, I mean, sitting here talking about Palace, who don't have a manager at the moment for doing <laughs> probably less. would have gotten rid of him, um, I suppose. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. I, yeah. I, I. That's a difficult question. That's a difficult question. Um, it, I mean, it depends, I guess. Are we talking about, you know, the, are we talking about Palace being in Spurs' position on the table? Or are we talking about Palace being in Just Palace's position on the table? Just the manager talked about your that, players and board and owner like that. Yeah. I don't think any manager would last very long in a job after doing that. I, I, I think I think it would annoy too many people. You know, you're frustrating the players full stop. You're They're, they're the ones you need to get a reaction out of that's not going to get a reaction or the right reaction and then you're insulting the board as well and the owner so I don't think many managers would last I, I would be surprised to see Conte in a job by end of the season um, mm. I would be surprised to be honest but then Daniel Levy's all about the money I know Spurs have a very strict wage budget and everything else so you know maybe it's a case of see what happens like I said about Palace, it's an odd time of the season to be making that call. You know, a lot of teams in the Premier League, at least half of the Premier League, have changed managers, haven't they? Um, this season for different reasons, mostly because of you know poor performance. But um, yeah, I, I, when I say surprised to see Conte stay, I think it still would be an odd decision to make now with ten games left. You're still fighting for a Champions League spot, so I don't know whether you'd be able to bring somebody in. Obviously, Pochettino is available, isn't he? So, you know, if that conversation's being had, then you know maybe that's a maybe that's a fit again. But would Spurs fans want Pochettino back? That's the genuine question. So it's a very long conversation, and I've already rambled a lot about Tottenham. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, that's I'll, a whole other podcast. It very much is. But I'll, I'll stick with the the party line that I've said before. Uh, well, well, my party line. That's not a party line. It's an opinion. I'll tell you my opinion, which is that Tottenham fans don't want 2023 Pochettino at 2023 Tottenham. They wish it was 2014 again. And it's very easy to conflate the two things. Um, Pochettino's tactics, I'm not sure, would work anymore. Um, it was basically just full throttle, always pressing... Um, always playing attacking football, always playing similarly, although not in the Conte way where it's like mechanical. Obviously, um, the players have a lot more freedom, but, you know, it's a 4-2-3-1. You're pressing high. You're going to push up with the fullbacks. 
people counter press a lot more. People are a lot better at avoiding initial presses, especially if depending what line you're pressing to. Are you pressing all the way to the goalkeeper? Are you pressing back to whoever's in possession of the ball? Are you pushing back to the whole back line? Are you only put, uh, pressing to midfield? There's obviously lots of ways to press, um, but I am not sure if those. He is not a tactically nuanced manager. He is, to, to use the language that the kids use these days, a vibes kind of manager. He believes in his young players. He helps them develop. He you know establishes a positive connection between club manager, ownership, you know, fans. Um, and I think that that part he'd still be great at. I think he could really help everyone come together again. But I'm not sure that means anything higher than like six next year or this year. Um, so it's, it really depends on what your expectations are. We tried to do the salvage Pochettino's team to win a trophy with Mourinho and Conte. Didn't work for either. You're probably hitting the big red reset button, which is why I think my two options are Pochettino, because he's the one that did it for us before, or Amarim, who would probably be the modern equivalent of what Pochettino was then. So I, I think I personally tend to lean that way. It also doesn't risk ruining some of the memories that we have. Like if Pochettino comes back, gets eighth two straight years and gets sacked, that's going to damage the the legacy and the reputation that he yeah. has at the club. Um, but anyway, that's yeah. I said I was going to keep it very short and then I didn't. Um, but I like Pochettino. I think there are things he could fix within the club. A lot of the miscommunication, mistrust, um, aggression between different parties within the club. Um, I'm not sure the, the pitch is where you'd, you'd see a big turnaround. But anyway, that's that's enough for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure we're at time now. Um, so, Jay, if you want to tell folks where they can find you now, it'll be a great time. Yeah, no, it's good to be back on. Um, chewing the fat over some interesting points. So, uh, obviously, lots happened at Palace uh, in recent days. So, it's been a interesting few uh well, it's been an interesting week i have to say it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks as well leading into the next game anyway um check out uh the eagles beak which is uh my fan site uh we're across all social media channels so uh to stay in touch with developments and and particularly our thoughts on what's happened i put an article up uh on uh, friday night actually the thoughts on the Vieira sacking and obviously a reactionary article uh, much of what i've already said on the podcast anyway uh um, and also, um, I'm I host the Mourinho Support Show, which is on local community, local community radio. But you can get us online uh, to listen to as well. Which uh, I think we were talking a little bit about Patrick Vieira on Tuesday as well. You can get us on all social media channels at Meridian SS and Eagles Beat. You can get us at the Eagles Beat. Awesome! Thanks so much for joining me today, Jay. I've, I absolutely a pleasure catching up uh, as always. Um, for me, you can find me on Twitter at Kevroff. You can find the show at EPL Roundtable. You can find it on all your podcast services by just searching EPL Roundtable. Also, small part of order. Uh, probably no show next week uh, with the international break, and then I'll be abroad for two weeks after that. So it could be could be a fair bit before you get another episode. Just wanted to. Get ahead of that, but of course, check out all of Jay's fantastic stuff over there at the Eagles Beak, which helped me get back into writing, which then turned into my career. So thanks a, a million for that. Um, also, be sure to check Bless out you. the other EPL Index affiliated podcasts, uh, A Tab Predictable, which is uh, where Tad, who comes on here and talks about Liverpool, uh, goes through the matches and, and kind of predicts the results. And then also the two-footed podcast hosted by Dave Hendrick. So uh, there's, there's still EPL Index content out there for you. Um, while we're gone, but just wanted to just wanted to mention that. But Jay, like I said, an absolute pleasure catching up with you here. Looking forward to see you pretty soon in London. And folks who don't, we hope you keep listening. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.